Today's episode is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people. So if you're a runner, a cyclist, a strength trainer, or an OCR athlete, like you probably are since you're listening to this podcast, and you don't have life insurance, I would hit up Health IQ because they offer discounts for being healthy. What you need to do is you need to head over to their website, healthiq.com SASP for our Strength and Speed podcast. Once you get over to their website, you're going to have to take a health IQ quiz, and that's going to see if you qualify for lower rates on your life insurance. Plus, you can get additional savings by submitting actual data, so things like race results, Strava, RunKeeper, or any other application that you use to actually track your fitness. 56% of health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. So if you're with another life insurance agency and you're not taking advantage of all the fitness work you're putting in on your spare time, then you need to switch companies right now. Car insurance companies give you lower rates for being a good driver. There's no reason that health insurance companies shouldn't give you a lower rate for being a healthier person by doing things like training, running, lifting weights, and participating in our favorite sport, OCR. You don't have to be an elite athlete to qualify. You just have to be the type of person who's putting in a little bit of time and effort to make yourself healthier. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that's you. So head on over to healthiq.com SASP and see if you qualify for lower rates today. This is your host, Evan Preparis. Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to make a couple of corrections to the episode. At the time we recorded this, Jay Flores and I thought that only South Africans can go to the OCR championships in South Africa, but it turns out anyone can go to the South African OCR championships. The only thing is if you're not a resident of South Africa, you will not be eligible for the title of South African champion. Not sure if you're eligible for prize money. I'm assuming you are not. But if you want to go to South Africa and compete and see what their courses are like with their super hard grip obstacles, you can do that. I just won't be eligible for the title, like I said. So with that, enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Preparis. I don't have Brenda on the line with me, but I do have another Conquer the Gauntlet Pro. Joining me today is Jay Flores. You may know Jay from his 15 podiums he got last year or the two podiums he's already started off this year with. He won last year's Master of the Rig, kind of a nighttime competition at OCR World Championship. So beating a lot of the other ninjas that were there. So it was a very impressive uh, competition with that. He's also a global STEM ambassador, which he focuses on inspiring the minds of young kids in science, technology, engineering, and math. So we're going to talk about that a bunch. We're going to talk about his last season, his next season, and then also his recent trip to South Africa. So Jay, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've been trying, wanting to get you on for a while, and I don't know. It's funny, things just didn't line up, and then you had, I think you were on, what was it, Link Endurance before? Yep. And then, uh, yeah, so we figured we'd give, it a, give it some space between that and this one, and here we are. So let's start off with... Um, I want to talk about to your before we get into the OCR stuff. Let's talk about like who you are as a person and 
your work with as a global STEM ambassador? Like, what does that exactly entail? Because if you, anyone follows you on Instagram or Facebook, you are literally traveling all over the country, all over the world, and you're always posting pictures of you helping out kids and you know doing speeches and stuff like that. So, well, take us through what is what is a global STEM ambassador? What does that mean? Definitely, yeah. So it's uh, outside of the OCR and Ninja World. It's my biggest passion. Um, I grew up in a family that really stressed education. Uh, my mom's side of the family uh, is all mainly college grads and stuff. My dad's wasn't so much, but went through military service and um, kind of made their way into um, better lives and better education through uh, military service. So it was kind of something that was stressed for me from an early age. Um, and I kept hearing from math and science teachers that, oh, you should look into engineering. I didn't really know what that meant necessarily. Um, and so although my parents kind of had this plan or this kind of guide for me that education was important, that I was, you know, I had the two options of college or college, <laughs> um, that, uh, I still didn't know exactly how to get there and they didn't really have an engineering degree either. I'm the first, uh, engineer in the family. So I had a lot of programs that I was able to get exposed to that helped me find my way and understand what engineering really was and helped me develop the skills I needed to apply to a good school and to ultimately succeed in um, obtaining my mechanical engineering degree. So I became very passionate about being able to give back in that same sense and helping other kids that may not have had the guide but were good in math and science or had some sort of interest in tinkering or in um, chemistry or math or physics, um, find out how you know they could make their way down that path as well and be able to be a mentor for them and, and help them um, go through it because it's not very easy. But... Um, it was just kind of like a side passion of mine as I was working as an engineer, um, and it became a big enough passion of mine as well as a big enough need in the industry uh, for more kids to be excited about the kind of things that we do that uh, the company created this role for me. And so it's kind of hard to explain in a nutshell, but if I tried to, it's basically anything and everything that will help inspire kids to get involved in math and science and get into the manufacturing world, um, whether that's speaking to them directly and helping them see the connection between their math and science classes and some real-life examples of how they could apply it, or speaking to um, engineers and teachers and parents about how they can help kids get prepared and what are some of the things that we're doing um, that help or some of the things that we're doing that maybe kind of... Um, steer kids away from the math and the science so um this year's been really great being able to do that all over the world just came back from a trip to asia uh, where i went to a few countries and kept spreading the word and um look forward to going to a few more countries this year so it's been great yeah you travel you're the only person i know that travels more than i do i move around. <laughs> i travel a lot like in the last two weeks i was in virginia new york tulsa and germany um, but you, every time I look at your like Facebook, you're in a different part of the world or a different state, and it, it is hard to keep track of. So your full time job is basically inspiring kids, right? That's, I mean, that's what you do day to day, every day. Exactly. Yeah. Anything I can do to help, what, what I like to say, um, make it loud, right? So help them understand what the opportunities are. 
um, and what they need to do to get there. I understand that not, not every child is going to want to be an engineer and not everyone should be an engineer, right? We need um, other roles and uh, other areas for kids to be passionate about and excel in, but I just want to make sure that they all have the information if that's the path that they want to choose to go down. And regardless of whether they become an engineer or not, technology advances are going to make it more and more STEM make it more and more part of their everyday life, um, so it's important for everyone. And you've got a great quote that I've heard you say before about the cure for cancer. Can you repeat that? Yeah, so um, one of my biggest fears is that the cure for cancer is in a, the mind of a young girl who's told that STEM is for boys. Um, and I like to share that a lot. Um, and I often get the question, well, who's telling them that? Like, who actually would say that STEM is only for boys? And it's not necessarily a direct statement. Sometimes it is, unfortunately, or they're, they're steered away. But most of the times, it's just kind of the way we um, kind of subconsciously direct children. So, for example, the toy aisle, right? Um, for girls, you're going to see pink and you're going to see princesses. Um, for boys, you might see Legos and Lincoln Logs. Um, that may not seem like a bad thing, right? But um, Legos and Lincoln Logs help develop tool or um, skills in terms of like spatial awareness and putting things together and solving problems. Um, so if we're keeping the girls away from those toys, you know, we may be steering them away from some of the things that they need to do to excel in STEM. Or when we're talking to kids about career options. Um, engineer might not be the first thing that comes to mind for a girl, unfortunately. And so really trying to help shift that narrative uh, because as a country and even more so as a globe, we're not really leveraging that full brain power. Um, so I'm hoping that we can get more girls um, and other underrepresented groups more aware of the opportunities. Um, and I think that will bring to the table um, new and fresh ideas. Yeah, that is awesome. And one of the things we've said on the CTG Pro Team Instagram page and Facebook page before is, you know, not just great athletes, but great people. And I think you definitely embody that. You know, we have a lot of great athletes on the team that also do some, you know, like Christina works with special needs children as her day job. And Lauren has done some work like work like that also, uh, teaching uh, special needs people about horse riding, stuff like mm -hmm. that. And Randy's a teacher slash trainer. So... You know, I really appreciate everything you do and think it's great, especially as the father of a young daughter, you know, um, op making sure those doors are open whether they want to go through them or not. So, you know, personal thank you from me and uh, definitely from CTG, especially since we just announced the uh, Conquer Youth, um, you know, having OCRs for children age 5 to 17. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited about that. And I, I mean, I echo your statements about the team that it's one of the reasons why I was so excited about being able to be part of it is just because of the awesome family. I'd say even beyond the pro team, just the family culture of CTG uh, is something that I was immediately drawn to. Uh, every event, no matter what the size, feels like you're just with a group of your favorite people. <laughs> um, and uh, that's that's pretty awesome. And now that we're getting more and more kids involved, um, I think that's going to be huge for their development, their confidence, um, their kind of outlook on life in general in terms of how they handle challenges. So I'm really excited that we're, we're doing that. Yeah, me too. I'm, uh, 
So we're actually going to have David main prize on the podcast tomorrow, which won't get released probably until about 10 days after people are hearing this. And we're going to give a complete rundown of Conquer Youth, talk about, you know, how you can get involved because one of the things he wants is not just, you know, kids, not, not just athletes with kids showing up, right? But he actually wants some of the OCR athletes that may maybe don't have kids but are live local to those races to come out and support and, you know, basically, you know, do what you're doing as your job, Jay, you know, inspiring the next generation and getting them involved in things like fitness and opening the doors for them. So, Yeah, that's awesome. So let's, let's start diving into some OCR topics. So recently, OCR World Championships, uh, the Venturi Company announced they're holding a South African – OCR championships in South Africa, obviously. Um, now, it's just for South African athletes, so unfortunately, we cannot head over there and participate, but you did take a trip to South Africa last year to participate in the Jeep Warrior race, so let's talk about that, because I know South Africa has some pretty crazy obstacles and pretty insane uh, grip strength stuff, so tell us about it, your experience there. Yeah, so I uh, went down... so. You know, I kind of started uh, a lot of my deep passion for OCR with Battle Frog. I had done racing before Battle Frog, but that's where I really, like, knew I wanted to take this to the next level, and I found a race that um, was super challenging for me. There was times where I spent, you know, the entire day at rigs trying to get them um, completed, and yeah, I remember in Atlanta one year, the one time I did actually have to give my band up, uh, they basically said the last bus was leaving. You have to go, Jay. <laughs> um, but uh, I was I was missing that, and I found it in, in CTG that challenge when I did my first CTG the XTC event. Um, but then I got good at pegboard, and and I figured out Tarzan, and and all the kind of work I had done. Uh, to get better at Battle Frog translated well to CTG. Um, so I was looking for something brand new uh, that would make me wonder, like, am I going to be able to keep my band? And I kept hearing this about the the Toyota Warrior race in South Africa, that it it's one of those crazy grip strength challenges. And so I wanted to be, uh, one, to challenge myself in a new way, and two, to be the first... Um, international athlete to keep their band there had been some people from europe um from canada i believe a few countries that had gone down and weren't able to keep their band some pretty good athletes um so i wanted to go after that and i found um actually a totally different challenge so i did find some of the most challenging grip strength obstacles i'd ever seen i also found that they like to stack a lot of those very challenging grip obstacles um, back to back so it was very intense in that sense but what I actually found that was very challenging for me specifically was they had some really heavy stuff um, so I came across a uh, jerry can carry that was um, even heavier than the battle frog days uh, that kicked my butt really hard um, they had a double sandbag carry that's heavier than spartans which was also brutal for me. I think um, we did the math, and the two sandbags weighed more than I did um, total. So that was pretty rough. <laughs> so, um, so for those who may not know or follow you on uh, social media, what's your height and weight? Yes, yeah, so I'm 5'5", five, five, uh, 130, soaking wet. 
Uh, <laughs> so w- I, I which think... I'm also excited about because I'm five six, so I'm not the shortest athlete on the team. So. <laughs> nice. Um, hopefully, one of the girls is shorter than me, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, so yeah, so it's it was rough. I mean, carrying those those two sandbags, even getting them onto my shoulders was pretty challenging. But I got through both of those, and I was like, okay, I survived these two things. I I can do the grip. I've been training hard on that. I've been doing some ninja things. I'll be all right. And I head into this area where I see um, there was, I think, one guy waiting ahead of of me. So I thought it was weird, a backup and an elite obstacle. And I look out, and I see just death in people's eyes, and they were re-coming up this kind of slight incline of a hill with a really heavy tire drag um and i see uh greg uh one of the top uh south african racers that has won his age group i think all three years at world championship um struggling with this big tire that is about to be handed off to me and i'm like if he's struggling this hard i'm, I'm gonna have a rough time he, he uh weighs more and is taller than i am um, and I start trying to pull it like a dra- uh, tire drag. So imagine, you know, you kind of put it around your chest or your shoulders and you start dragging it. And I, I wasn't moving. It was like a, a burnout tire type thing. Um, the thing was ridiculously heavy. I eventually had to kind of turn my body around and grab the rope closer to the tire so I could lift the front of it a little bit in order to drag. Um it was supposed to be a 1K drag. Uh, they ended up shortening it because uh, it, the day before it just looked too, too insane. Um, it took me 55 minutes to complete the obstacle. Five, five Jeez. minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was like, I came all the way to South Africa and I'm going to give up my band on a tire drag? What is this? I came here for the grip stuff. I haven't even been able to get to it yet. But it was just so heavy, it was really hard for me to get moving. And, and even, you know, the top guys definitely didn't take as long as I did. Um, but it took a lot out of everyone. Um, and so this race, which I was expecting to be the very challenging grip strength race, um, ends up being this very challenging weight obstacle event. But then I didn't realize how much that would then tax my grip for later things. You know, carrying those jerry cans that were even heavier than the battle frog ones is just killer on your grip. And then the way I had to grab that um, rope on the tire drag by with my hands instead of just putting it around my chest or my shoulders and kind of pushing forward uh, made it so much more difficult for me uh, on my hands when I got to the grip obstacles. Um so I finally get to that space and I get excited and uh the first one was a think of a Tarzan swing with just ropes there was 10 of them. So that's a lot of transitions on just your hands. They're not long enough for you to hook your feet. Um that was pretty brutal but I got through it. From there they went to this cargo net like 50 feet later. Um I'd say the cargo net was maybe 60 feet long. Um 50 to 60 feet long, um, and you had to kind of monkey bar swing through it, which is not too bad, 
unless if the way they set it up, <laughs> the cargo net kind of sags and moves around a little. So as someone else gets on, it shifts the weight around. As you're moving, it shifts. Think of, for those of you who have been to OCR World Championship, kind of like the um, year where they had Skull Valley that ended with the little cargo net type uh, monkey bar, um, but much longer, obviously. Um, so I kept trucking through that and I, and I eventually, or, and I, and I got it, hit the bell. And then another 50 to a hundred feet later is their signature obstacle called breaking point. Um, so breaking point is kind of like a rig. It changes every event, but it's always a grip, super intense grip strength obstacle. Um, and they call it breaking point because it literally is when most people, um, including very elite athletes lose their bands. Um, the way they had it set up this year was, started out on a um, incline pole so think of like a telephone pole at a 45 degree angle and you just had to use the pole to climb up there was no grips you just wrapped your hands around the pole almost like a battering ram on ninja warrior and you climbed up to the top you couldn't use your feet just your hands um and then you headed down on the same angle on some rings and then you had a little resting point where you could stand, but you couldn't touch the ground. Um, from there, it went to about eight ball grips. Um, think of like a force five, three inch or atomic climbing holds, you know, any of those type of um, three inch ball holds. But these were plastic, so they were really slippery. Um, could you grab, you know, like in Spartan, a lot of people grab above the baseball? <laughs> nope. I'm guessing, okay. You had to use the obstacle, and I, I love that you said that, because I hate when I see um, people grabbing chains and stuff. One, it you chop your finger off. Um, two, it's not the obstacle. The obstacle is the hold, right? Um, so you had to use the hold. If you matched, you had to match on the hold. They're very strict about all the rules out there when it comes to um, how you use an obstacle, and they had really great obstacle attendants that were very knowledgeable. I was very impressed by that. I'm not sure where they sourced them from, if they're volunteers or if they're part of the organization, um, but either way, they, they did a really good job. Um, so you go on to these eight ball grips, and it, immediately you have to transition to eight ropes. Uh, again, the short ropes that you can't hook your feet on. So it's just super intense upper body obstacle, and after having done all this stuff previously, I was exhausted i made it to the last rope and could not pull myself up to hit the bell so i fell on the last rope and i'm like okay here we go this is where i'm gonna find out whether i keep my band or not um took a rest for a little while there was a water station right before the obstacle went at it again made it through the first part fine and then i um i my hand was kind of wet and i slipped on the first ball um and I had to do it again, and this time I'm, like, just kind of getting a little mentally, like, is this possible? Um, I took another long break, and the third time, I think, is when I actually got it. But this was a pretty significant time of me sitting around and um, either at the resting point of, of the obstacle or kind of by the water station, just in my head again, can I do this? Is this possible? Um a great, it's it's a terrible, great feeling at the same time because you know it's something that's challenging you in a way that you've never been challenged before, um, but you're also worried about losing your band and all that kind of stuff, right? So, But that's what exactly what I went to South Africa for. I was looking for that kind of challenge. Um, but I eventually got through it, hit the bell, hugged the volunteer who was cheering us all on, um, you know, gave a, a good uh, 
little motivation thing for the guys that were still going at it, encouraging them to keep going for it, um, and went on and, and finished the race. Um, was able to complete the rest of the challenging grip strength obstacles and other fun obstacles that they had. Um, and as I'm getting to the finish line, they start announcing my name uh, in the heat for the short course that they had. Um, so normally the short course is on Saturday and the long course is on um, Sunday, but we had kind of rained out of the finals that I had qualified for in the short course. And so I literally had like a couple minutes to get off from the long course to get into my heat of the quarterfinals of the short course. So it was pretty intense. But um, it's exactly what I was looking for. I was challenged in so many different ways from balance to strength um, to heights, all kinds of cool things. I highly recommend it to anyone that is really going for a challenge. It sounds awesome. I know the South African Championships, they're basically using that warrior race primarily. So I think you'll see a lot of the same or similar obstacles. And I'm sure since the warrior race people have a lot of say on what obstacles go where and since it's going to be South African championships I'm sure they're going to turn up the intensity for that event Um, so while we won't get to physically go and see it or participate I think the videos and pictures coming out of that event is going to be awesome and um, so yeah definitely so there's a group South Africa OCR um, SAOCR they go by they do really good live coverage um, also follow any of the top athletes that you've met at World Championship, maybe um, Thomas Van Tonder or, or the Abineros family. Um, they always do good coverage. And then the Toyota Warriors Raiders page and um, OCR World Championship, I'm hoping will share some good stuff. I you know I highly encourage it to anyone so they can see kind of what the level of competition is out there and get ideas for, for training and stuff like that. But then also it's, you know, it's that interesting question is now that there's this closer tie, will we see a Toyota Warrior race obstacle at World Championship? Um, you know, there's, there's those kind of rumors going around. So highly recommend that people familiarize themselves with the event. I don't have any insider information or anything, <laughs> but uh, I have some suspicions. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I would imagine it would be, this is just pure speculation on my side, I imagine it would be like a, not necessarily a watered down, but not their hardest obstacle, right? Like, yeah. Conquer the Gauntlet doesn't bring Pegatron to OCR World Championships. Exactly. Uh, They're not going to send Breaking Point. But yeah. it's still good to get familiar with some. Like, there were some really cool obstacles, especially in the spring course. So the spring course was a 200-meter um event with nine obstacles so totally different feel and look and even some of the athletes that show up are you know may only do the sprint course uh, which i thought was really cool and i'd love to see more of that kind of stuff here in the states um but they had some really unique kind of short obstacles that um would be fun to have at an event like world championships that are good for like the 3k for example um so you know just look out for things like that cool uh, any plans to go back to South Africa or any other o- overseas OCRs this year? Yeah, I really hope to get back. I don't know exactly when. Um, I I know um, they, they were super accommodating uh, when it came to the trip down there and made it super easy for me to be able to do it. So anyone that's trying to make the trip, make sure you reach out to SAOCR. They'll help you with everything. Um, so I want to get back down for another uh, warrior race one day. And then they also have another race in South Africa called, um, I think it's called the Beast or something like that. But it's uh, a short course, super obstacle dense. 
um, which is the kind of stuff that I'm getting more excited about. So I might head out for there. Um, I'm looking at a few international. I don't know if I'll make the trip this year or next year, but um, I uh, two years ago I did toughest in London, so that was Europe, and I'll be going back to London for World Championships. Um, this past year I did, uh, and, and that's that's toughest the series. That's not toughest mutter. There's a difference. For correct. Those of you were listening. Yeah. yeah, toughest the the race series that's I think headquartered out of Sweden um, and has races across um, Europe. Uh, another race I highly recommend for others. Um, then this past year I did, you know, Africa with a warrior race in, in South Africa. Um, next I'm looking towards, there's a race in Ecuador, um, called Iron Runner. That's also mandatory obstacle completion that looks like to have some really unique and cool obstacles and beautiful venues. Um, so I want to try to check, uh, South America off the list. Um, and I want to get out to Asia, too, so I'm very close friends with Arnel Banawa. Many of you may know from uh, OCR Tube all the good videos that he puts out, and uh, he just did a kind of a tour of, of Asia in, in OCR, and um, I was actually out in Thailand earlier this year, and Spartan Race happened to be there at the same time. Um, I didn't get to do it because it wasn't in my plans, uh, but uh, it's good to see um, OCRs both kind of in-country and also some of the bigger, bigger brands from the States, like Tough Mudder, um, being kind of global. Um, so maybe I'll head out there next. I'm not sure 100% yet, but I, I've learned something from each event that I've gone to, both in the sense of um, different obstacles in, in the different countries, different um, kind of philosophies when it comes to obstacle completion, um, the warrior race being mandatory obstacle completion, toughest um, in uh, Europe being kind of the penalty loop type idea that's not burpees but is an additional like rec peg carry or, or some other kind of penalty. Um, and also just the, the great um, OCR atmosphere and camaraderie that you see here in the States, but with an additional kind of like difference in culture and... and um, food and the way people are and you know just being able to learn about that was kind of cool part of the journey as well so i highly recommend if people can take the time um and you know as a vacation and and have the funds to be able to go out there and experience this and support ocr across the world yeah and i think even if you don't have the funds to maybe travel internationally go to all these different races you can still hit up several different brands within the U.S. and get a similar feel, right? Like, you can come to Conquer the Gauntlet and get mandatory obstacle completion. You can go to Warrior Dash, and it's like, you know, 5K as fast as you can run type course. You can go to a Spartan where you're carrying heavy things up mountains. So I think just changing it up is going to expose your weaknesses as an athlete and lead you to be overall better in the long term. A hundred percent. So, you know, we mentioned the 15 15- podiums earlier um what i'm most proud about those 15 podiums though is it came from seven different race series um so i really wanted to establish myself not only as a good athlete um and let's say at conquer the gauntlet for example which is my favorite in the race that i represent as as a pro team member but also at some of these other races that are going to challenge me in different ways um and to do that i had to travel to different states so i'm going up against competition um you know, the best of the best in, in different states, 
which was also um, a different kind of challenge because you don't necessarily get to race against them all the time. You don't know if they go out really fast or if they're going to have a weakness on a certain area. So you really just got to go out as, you know, and attack the courses to the best of your ability because you don't really know what to expect. Um, so echo, you know, and I, I second that point a hundred percent. Um, and it's just good for the sport. I, I hate that, um, sometimes in the industry, people are too, uh, they drink the Kool-Aid too much for one particular race series, if you know what I mean. And it happens across all different kinds, but, um, you know, like McDonald's and Burger King don't care if they're across the street from each other, right? They just care about selling the best fast food. And I think if uh, more race series just cared about putting together the best um, product for for their athletes and the community, and you know, getting people off the couch versus worrying about who else is doing what, um, I think we'd be better off. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, how did you get into OCR, and kind of what fitness level were you at when you started? Were you uh, were you playing other sports before that, or what the deal, what's the deal? Yeah, so I um, I grew up. Fortunately, my parents let me um, do all kinds of different stuff. Um, you know, I played t-ball and soccer and taekwondo. Um, did all kinds of different things. I played basketball, even though I was terrible at it. <laughs> um, I got to explore a lot. Um, when I was getting closer to high school age, I kind of wanted to find, you know, what my actual thing would be. Um, I looked into boxing actually, so I'm, I'm Puerto Rican and boxing is a very popular sport in Puerto Rico. Um, got all this equipment and gear and stuff and decided I wanted to be an Olympian, represent Puerto Rico in boxing. And I told my mom I was going to do that instead of college. And, uh, that was the end of my boxing um, dreams. <laughs> she ended that really quickly. Did all kinds of research on how boxing is bad for you, and <laughs> basically took away my stuff. Um, so I kind of had to find a new sport last minute. Uh, this was like my, uh, I think it was, that was either the end of my freshman year of um, high school or beginning of my sophomore year. I can't recall exactly. But um, my godmother had ran. Um, track in college and so she recommended I try running um and so I thought that sounds kind of cool I like watching track in the Olympics um and she was um recommended I just find like a two mile route and start running two miles a day in my mind that was run two miles as fast as I could <laughs> so um I had really bad uh training because <laughs> all I, I would do <laughs> go ahead I feel like that's the case for most people when they start running they're like well I got to go out as hard as I can every time in order to improve you know it's like well that's not really you know scientifically that's not really the best way to do it like exactly. you get some improvements that way but <laughs> you, you're gonna burn yourself out yeah, it's not very fun. You're not going to want to go out the next day. And I remember, like, trying to make sure I beat my time and stuff. It's pretty bad. But I just want to give people kind of an idea of, like, how clueless I was. Um, and uh, I eventually then, towards the end, uh, I think that was the beginning of uh, second semester of my sophomore year, which is when the track season starts, I approached the track coach and you know, asked if I could join the team. I had no idea, like, what I needed to do to join the team or whatever. I thought I had to go through a process or something. He's like, yeah, come run with us tomorrow. And I show up, and he's like, okay, do you want to be with the distance team or the sprints? 
And I was like, I don't know, I just want to run. <laughs> um, and he took a look at me, he was probably he was like, yeah, this guy's not a sprinter. <laughs> and said, Let, why don't you just go with the distance team? Um, and they were really cool people, and I, I had a little bit of trouble keeping up, but I enjoyed it. Um, so I did. ended up doing three, three seasons of track in high school and two seasons of cross country. Um, got pretty decent, but wasn't good enough to to run at Wisconsin, which is where I wanted to go to school. Wisconsin was one or two in the nation at that time. I think they used to go back and forth with the school from Colorado and cross country. Um, so I decided to just stick to the engineering stuff. Um, Wisconsin's a pretty big party school, so my fitness kind of suffered in general. <laughs> um, I did five years of engineering, which also led to fitness suffering. Uh, and when I graduated and started working, I kind of wanted to start getting back into some stuff. I started doing a little bit of running, um, but not much. And I got invited to a Warrior Dash by some friends that went to the University of Central Florida. I had started working in Tampa. Um, they invited me to this Warrior Dash. I had no idea what to expect, but they said it was a mud run and it would be fun and cool and we would get beer at the end. Um, so I thought it would, it would be a pretty cool experience. We actually stayed at someone's house. There's like 20 of us there. It's kind of ridiculous. We just laid out on, um, sleeping bags and air mattresses, which I think is a cool thing about the OCR community and meeting with, uh, you know, friends and just figuring out how to get to more events. Um, and then we took like these giant rented vans to the event. Um, we were supposed to do it as a team, but, uh, once the like warrior dash fire cannons went off i just started running because <laughs> i had i don't know i was just really excited and um i ended up losing my shoes in the first i lost a shoe in the first like 400 meters before we even got to an obstacle and there's like 500 people running behind me so i'm like what the hell am i going to do with my shoe um and uh, i decided to keep running <laughs> Uh, with one shoe and that was uncomfortable so I threw off the other one and ended up finishing the race barefoot um, and I was hooked from then on and I'm kind of really glad that I decided to keep running because that was kind of my first personal obstacle I could have just stopped there and say you know uh, this stuff isn't for me I lost my shoe before the first obstacle um, but I decided to keep going and it's become a lifestyle ever since uh, I started signing up for more and more races um, that was a uh, beginning of 2013, I believe, but I didn't really start competing uh, elite until later that year and got more serious about competing um, the next year. Cool, it's a great story. The um, you, have you seen the documentary Counterpunch? It's about uh, boxing. And boxers coming. Okay, it's pretty good. I think it was on Netflix or Amazon Prime. I can't remember which one I watched it on, but uh, I like to watch other I like to watch other sports documentaries and kind of compare and contrast and um i know if anyone's looking for a good documentary they're talking about young boxers growing up and you know some of them are coming from very you know poor families other ones are a little bit more well off but mm-hmm. just, just kind of an interesting documentary cool so yeah yeah that's uh warrior dash was my uh intro into obstacle course racing too nice. and i uh i feel like my my first Warrior Dash story is pretty well, not not quite as similar with losing a shoe or anything like that. But you know, with the, kind of your friends getting you into it, and then yeah, uh, going from there, being like, oh, I kind of like this. Yeah, and back to the the OCRs kind of supporting each other and, and growing, and just kind of worrying about growing the sport. I think a lot of these bigger races um, 
to really look to Warrior Dash and support Warrior Dash in the sense of that's where we're going to get a lot of people that are going to be that true off-the-couch person, if you know what I mean, that person that didn't have any type of fitness um, background and, you know, goes out and has a little bit of fun and is able to complete a decent amount of obstacles and enjoy themselves with friends um, and then get hooked, kind of like we did too. But um, I'd love to see that, and, and I, I'd love to see more races kind of uh, have some more of that fun stuff and, and good relationships with organizations that help people, you know, take that first step. So since you spend a lot of time inspiring young minds, what advice do you have for new OCR athletes, um, you know, kind of just getting into the sport? For sure. Um, this is a tough one. So <laughs> I, I kind of want to say just have fun, right? That's kind of a corny answer, though, right? That's not <laughs> good advice. Uh, but it is a big part of it. I mean, you need to enjoy it. If you're going to be doing – um, you know, say we're, we're talking to someone right now that is just getting into it, but is looking to be competitive long term. Um, you gotta love it in, in a certain sense um, because it's very challenging training if you want to stay competitive. Um, I think the key to anyone, whether you're gonna try to be an elite athlete or you just want to be able to do pretty well in your age group or not feel dead at the finish line type thing. Um, it's, it's consistency. Uh, it's that making sure that you're getting a good amount of running in every week and, and not just running the two weeks before because you realized you had a, a race on your schedule, right? Or um, if you're trying to keep your band at a, at a CTG or your belt at a CTG and, and Pegatron got you last year, you know, you got to work on that pegboard the whole year, right? Not the, the month before... Um, the first event uh, this year, which, by the way, I am super excited for, and I, it's taking too long. <laughs> it needs to be June already. Um, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but uh, it's just that, you know, that consistency. You don't have to be crazy. You don't have to have um, a ridiculous amount of miles every week unless you feel like Evan and you're training for something that <laughs> includes 24-hour races and stuff like that, right? Then in that case, for sure, you need to be running, putting in that kind of mileage. But whatever it is that you can and, and want to work for, uh, making sure that you're being consistent with that throughout the week. Um, so if it's your grip, you know, having a pull-up bar and ha doing some dead hangs um, a few days a week and maybe going to a ninja gym every once in a while, going rock climbing, that kind of stuff. Um, if it's your your running that gets you, if you're really good on obstacles, but people smoke you on the runs, then you know maybe looking for a local running group or signing up for a Garmin challenge uh, with some of your friends and kind of encouraging each other to um, be more consistent with your running. And I'm actually doing that this month. Uh, Legendary Fitness in Wisconsin, uh, uh, OCR and Ninja Gym out there, they have monthly challenges and. This one happened to be a mileage challenge. You choose however much you want to walk, run, or bike. Um, and they've helped me really stay more consistent with, with my runs um, and making sure I'm getting the mileage that I'm supposed to when normally it's easier just to say, yeah, you know, maybe I'll run tomorrow. Um, so consistency is the key, and finding a group of people that will support you or help you stay accountable um, is one of the best tips, I think, um, for that. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't have like an OCR specific group in your area, one of the things that I have, I move around a lot. So I found that I could find a running group, right? And then just use them to work on my running. 
and then I can find like a different group of friends to maybe work on strength training, and then a different group of friends to work on obstacle specific stuff. Maybe some like ninja type people. So you can kind of get you can kind of pick a little bit of each, and then on top of that, what ends up happening is the running group is just running, right? So they're mm-hmm. they're typically faster than you, so they they push you on the running front. You know, the obstacle people all they do is ninja sh- stuff. So you end up spending time with them, and they pull your obstacle game up. And then the strength people again. They're just doing strength stuff, so they pull your strength up. So yeah, hundred percent. So and on top of the convenience factor, which you're talking about, it's that like having kind of like a a mentor in in each area of what's required for OCR. I think that's one of the beauties of the sport is that it's everything from balance to strength to grip to speed, agility, endurance. Um, you really become a well-rounded athlete, and to be there towards the top, if that's your goal. Um, you know, you want to be able to hang with some of the faster runners and be able to grip as good as some of the better climbers, right? So um, that's what I think has helped me uh, more recently um, be successful. So some some good advice and some good words from you there, Jay. I know you've been on TED Talks before. Is that correct? Yes, I've done two TED uh, TEDx Talks. Um, both were around STEM um, getting more kids. Actually, the first one was focused on kids. I, I delivered in, in Miami. It was at a, a youth version of the TEDx event, so it was tailored towards um, kids. And it was really all about helping them find the connections between their day-to-day math and science classes and um, how those things are applied in real life in examples that are relevant to them around them, kind of helping them see it. Um, because I think... One of the biggest challenges is that we don't see the connection uh, to real life when you're in your math class. So uh, myself and I'm sure almost everyone that is listening at some point in their life raised their hand and asked the teacher, why would I ever need to use this again in my life <laughs> when they were doing some kind of math problem, right? Um, I asked that question a lot and I didn't get really good answers. So I'm trying to help kids understand that it's not necessarily the equation that matters, it's what you can do with that equation that matters. So if they have a real-life application that they're passionate about, then that math all of a sudden becomes important to them versus if it's just X's and Y's and numbers, it doesn't really mean much. Um, so that one was a lot of fun. Um, you can find both of them by just YouTubing my name, Jay Flores, on, um, or just searching from my name on YouTube. Um, the other one was uh, a couple years ago at the University of Wisconsin was where it was hosted, and um, this one was focused more on adults and parents, um, uh, teachers, educators, administrators, and, and mainly parents. Um, but uh, it helped us really uh, helps really realize what are some of the things that are preventing kids from excelling in the space, and, and a lot of the time it is um, us as adults. And so the theory or the kind of the theme behind it is that everyone is born an engineer. Um, I, I kind of truly believe that because everything from the time you're born is an experiment. You know, the first time you open your eyes, everything is new to you. So from um, walking or touching things or, um, you know, playing with pots and pans in the kitchen, that's all an experiment for kids. And a lot of times adults get in the way of that experimentation. And when kids ask the question why, we tell them, you know, because I said so or because I'm the adult or, you know, stop asking, that kind of stuff. Um, that kind of gets in the way. Um, so anyone with kids out there, um, I think that one would be really good for you all to help understand how you can 
get your kids more engaged in their math and science um, and hopefully be very successful um, in one of those fields someday. Well, that is awesome. I am glad you are out there, Jay, uh, inspiring the next generation. This is a true story from work. I had two of my coworkers discussing about, um, you know, their kids in class, and one of them's like, yeah, you know, little Billy. I don't remember the exact name. I was having trouble in math class. And the other one, so my other coworker was like, yeah, well, I mean, with calculators now, you don't even need to know how to do math. And I was so horrified, like, I almost threw up on them. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, like, I was speechless. Like, I didn't even know what to say. I was just, like, staring at it. And the other one's like, yeah, that's a good point. And I was like, that's a terrible point. <laughs> that's an absolutely terrible point. Like, you you shouldn't you shouldn't be around children saying stuff like that. Exactly. That's horrifying. And I think that's one of the biggest problems is, um, I don't know if it's um, trying to figure out globally what the feeling is around this. I don't think it is as bad as it is in the States. But we have, like, this okay thing about a kid not being a math person. Like, that phrase needs to die, um, the fact that you're not a math person. We don't take a kid who can't tie their shoes and be like, oh, you know, sorry, little Billy's not going to be a shoe tire. Like, here's your pair of yeah. Velcro shoes for life, right? <laughs> right. Um, whatever it may be. And, and it transfers to a lot of things. You could think of, like, the youth OCR stuff we're talking about, right? Oh, just because your kid isn't the best with the basketball doesn't mean that sports isn't right for them. Um, you know, just being able to open as many of these options for kids while they're young, whether it's, um, obstacle course racing or math or science, or I don't know, knitting, whatever it is. I just want kids to have the opportunity to explore things and then decide what they're most passionate about and how they can apply it in the best way. Um, and I think ironically, OCR is such a good, teacher of that because we face obstacles all the time right and if you can get a young kid used to the idea of facing obstacles and conquering them on a regular basis it's not the exact same thing as real life obviously but it, it gets them in that pattern of i can do this you know there's something that i couldn't do once and now i can do and if i apply these kind of skill sets that i've learned from ocr um you know i can do better in school or i can do better in sport, other sports, or have better relationships, whatever it may be. Um, it's just such a good metaphor. So I hope if there's any parents out there listening that haven't taken their kid to a kid's race before that you, you know, highly recommend, uh, that you highly consider it. Yeah. Uh, also completely agree with that. And I like that, you know, not a math person, not a math kid or whatever math person, that phrase needs to die. I agree with that. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is the, you know, the appearance of success is often people that just didn't give up. Yep. And I think that can be – I know I personally I've seen that at all different things, you know, in my own personal life that I've, I've tried for and, you know, failed multiple times uh, before I eventually hit a success point. So um, That's exactly what happened to me with rigs. I mean, I told you that I spent, um, you know, eight-plus hours at a couple of rigs in, in Battlefrog times, and this past year I was master of the Rig at World Championship. So to go from being one of the worst to one of the best was just that – that not giving up and just being really passionate about it. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, quick, the Master of the Rig competition. It's kind of a cool setup. Just give people like a one-minute synopsis of that. Yeah, so it's um, a, at OCR World Championships. Um, it's a event that was held that night. Um, it was in the rain this year. <laughs> But uh, basically, it's kind of like a knockout-style competition on rigs. 
So the first couple rounds, uh, they would send four athletes at a time. The top two quickest people to complete that particular section of the rig would get a win. The bottom two would get a loss. And once you got two loss, two losses, you were eliminated. So it was like a double elimination type thing. Um, and each round was on a different section of the, of the rigs. Um, they used, uh, for those who were at world championships, they used the green battle frog rig and then the orange platinum rig. Um, and the battle frog rig was kind of similar to what was set up during the race, a little bit more challenging. And then when they went over to the orange rig, they really changed the holds, added some ninja stuff. Like there's even a pegboard on one of the quarterfinal rounds. Um, it was really cool, super fast, um, super challenging. And when you're going head to head like that, it makes you, you know, your heart go crazy and nervous. And um, went into it not really knowing what to expect. Uh, when I saw Jamie Ron, uh, Captain NBC from Ninja Warrior, show up, I was like, great, <laughs> um, I'm screwed. Uh, but ended up going up against him in the finals and being able to take over uh, the win. So it was nice to to win it for the OCR athletes. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, obviously it was at World Championships, so all the best OCR athletes, it was available to them, right? They could have yep. showed up. Um, I know there was also some. You said Captain NBC was there, Jamie Ron. Was there? There was some other Ninja Warrior people there too. Yeah. So um, Amy Padgett, who's on our team, was there. Um, one of the top girls um, was also been in uh, Ninja Warrior. Uh, Michelle Warrenke, uh very famous Ninja Warrior, was um, the female winner. Um, uh, and I know there's a few others. I think Cat Cat did it too, right? Uh, I believe she did. Yeah. yeah. I think Cat. Yep. Uh, she was on my team for OCR World Championships relay on the strength and speed team. Yeah, she did pretty well. Um, and there's a couple uh, international athletes that I think had some Ninja Warrior experience, but I don't know them well enough to say um, their name. I don't remember their names, but it was a good mix of like some solid OCR athletes and some solid ninjas and a few just um, people that love rigs. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, before I let you go, what what events do you have planned for 2018, big events? And um, I know you recently moved to Florida. Are you hitting up any of those local OCR United-type series down there? Uh, yeah, so this year um, it's been nice to be in Florida. I can uh, drive to races at this time of the year versus last year I had to, to fly a lot when I was living in Wisconsin. Um, this year, big focus on Savage Race and CTG. Um, I really want to work on the, the harder obstacles, um, and, uh, my real end goal for Worlds this year is to, um, is to do very well in the 3K, um, at both North American and, and OCR World Championships. Um, so I'm, I'm focusing on speed in that sense, so I'm throwing in a few terrain races, um, but the grip stuff from Savage and CTG is going to make sure I can get through those challenging obstacles, even with a high heart rate, even you know with moving that fast. Um, I've got a couple races in Puerto Rico, um, and a bunch, a lot more ninja competitions this year than in the past. Um, I'm following the UNAA um, circuit. I just qualified for regionals and hoping to make it to nationals. Um, I don't really have any local Florida races this year. The schedule is just so packed with um, Savage and CTG. I'm trying to get to as many of them as I can um, while also trying not to kill myself with races every weekend. I'm trying to be pretty smart 
uh, you know, with the focusing on some A races and um, not overexerting myself because we get so addicted to OCR that we just want to do all the races. Um, so not too many Absolutely. local, but there are a lot of good local races in Florida, and I encourage people to support local races um, everywhere, you know, wherever wherever you're at. Awesome. Uh, any sponsors you want to plug or people you want to thank before uh, you go? Yeah, definitely the the CTG Pro team. Um, you guys have been, uh, you know, an awesome family from the, you know, even before you guys added me on when I first met you guys and started racing alongside you all and hanging out after events and prior to events. I love that about our family. Um, for for being able to kind of create that environment. Um, and I'll shout out the SAOCR community again, um, since we talked a lot about them today too. Um, but when I went out there, they were so just like, I felt like I was at home. Um, you know, I felt like I was on a family vacation and, uh, it was a wonderful experience, um, to, to get to know the culture, to get to know the athletes and the racing experience out there. Um, so I'm glad that they're continuing to expand the sport there. Um, look out anyone going to London there's going to be some really good South Africans um, there like I mentioned how challenging the race was um, and now it's going to be easier for them to get there because uh, I think their age group winners get a free entry or something like that um, so shout out to South Africa and all their, their great athletes yep um, so two stories I want to share real quick one when I initially, so I, I was the one who reached out initially to Jay asking about if he wanted to be on the CTG Pro team, and I was like, it was after one of the races, I was like, hey Jay, just kind of gauging some interest if you were interested, and you're like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I like I like barely finished the sentence, and I was like, oh okay, <laughs> like didn't even ask for the perks, just like absolutely I'm in, and I was like, oh okay, and then eventually you're later, you're like, oh wait, what, what do I what do I get for this? But, um, <laughs> I, I thought that was funny, and um, you know, you, you just—it it was pretty much a no-brainer to ask you again between all the the work you do with on the stem side, and then your performance on the race course, and then your performance at CTGs in twenty uh, seventeen. Yeah, yeah, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And the other one, um, one of the races we did last year was Tougher Mudder, and you had never done a Tough Mudder before. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, we're warming up, and you're like, so uh, so how many laps is this? And I was like, what? It's one lap. Which is funny now, because now they, they just changed it this year. It's two five-mile loops. Um, which so that, I thought that was funny. And the other funny part was, you know, I ended up running next to you for a lot of it, or slightly behind you, rather. And there was more than once we would hit an obstacle, and you'd be like, Yell, you'd be like, I don't know what's going on. You know, like looking at the volunteer confused, and the volunteer is just confused because he's never seen someone go through the obstacle either. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, 50 feet back, yet trying to yell directions at you. Um, it was just a really funny race. Uh, that was one of my. I just had such a good time uh, doing that race with you, and you know the uh, heroes carry where you have to carry each other. Oh yeah, um, that was the best part. So. I'm standing there. There's no obstacle, but there's an obstacle sign. I'm like, what the heck is this? And then all of a sudden, Evan yells, partner carry, and jumps on my back. <laughs> the funniest thing ever. Um, but, yeah, it's great. So I appreciate your help on, on that event, <laughs> although I felt like I had never done any OCR thing uh, before if, if you would have just looked at me um, going through some of those obstacles. 
Um, and the CTG Pro Team thing was a no-brainer on my part, too. All the great things I'd seen you guys do and just the culture behind the um, event itself. But it also it was it was a goal of mine, whether you guys knew it or not. So it's one thing I'll encourage. Uh, one last tip for everyone on the call is just really set some goals for the year and, and write them down and talk to people about them and go after them, you know, reverse engineer what that goal was. So, you know, I figured if I wanted to be able to be part of the team, I'd need to go to um, a good amount of events and do well. And so I then reverse engineered what did I what I have to do to be able to do well at SCTG, what obstacles do I need to work on, et cetera. Um, and along that process, I kind of fell in love with the race and, and the people that run it and the pro team and everything. So, I, yeah, that yes was pretty – probably, yeah, you're right, probably <laughs> before you finish the sentence. <laughs> yeah. So appreciate uh, it. Oh, no, you know, no problem. It's, it's a pleasure having you having you on the team. Um, and that tough, that tougher mutter we did in Wisconsin was it like, it was after several of my ultra OCR. So I, I was feeling pretty run down. I feel like I had been having a bad series of events and, uh, that was just a really good race, um, to be close to you for most of the race. And then on top of that, you know, the, the pictures that came out of that of the heroes carry <laughs> yeah. are hysterical. And there's another, there's another one I really like. It's me coming down off of the rings, uh, Kong, which is the last obstacle, and I just have a huge smile on my face, um, just because it was just it was just such a good time. Yeah, so. that was an awesome event. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, a couple of plugs from me. Uh, make sure you head over to the Strength and Speed website. My books available for sale there. Also added Neptune Heat, which is Jason Rulo's shirt. So you got the uh, you put the chemical hand warmers in your shirt and keeps you warm for events like Toughest. Also have bleg mitts up on the site. Some events coming up. Midwest Mayhem uh, is the Dirt Runners' final event at the Marcel, Illinois location on May 5th. So you may want to head, head out to that. We talked about Conquer Youth already. The uh, ages 5 to 17 will be having a podcast on that. Just released another article both on Mud Run Guide and then another one in the strength training magazine called Milo. It's Iron Minds uh, magazine. You have to buy it. You can't download it for free. But there's an article in there I wrote called Life or Death Grip Strength. And it talks about a couple different stories in my life where grip strength has has helped me. Um, And then other times where my grip strength failed. Uh, The failed one's about OCR stuff. The ones where it helped also about OCR but is also a pretty crazy story of... Uh, one of my trips to Iraq where we had a vehicle roll over into canal. So you'll see those pictures up on my Instagram sometime in the next couple of days if they're not up already. Uh, definitely head over and pick up that magazine if you're interested in reading that article. And then finally, I have a big announcement for ultra-distance obstacle course racing. If you've been following me the last couple of years, you know I do something big or stupid every year relating to ultra-distance obstacle course racing. I'm not sure when the article goes live, so I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, but I will say that the registration is currently open, and if you dig around the Strength and Speed website, you can find the details of the event already before the official Mud Run Guide announcement. All right, I think that about wraps it up. Jay, you got any last words for the audience? Yeah, just uh, no obstacle can stop you without your consent. So whether that's an obstacle and on the course, just keep working at it and... and until you get it eventually it won't feel like an obstacle anymore it'll feel like part of the race and uh same in real life just keep going at it never give up awesome well it's been a pleasure jay we will uh catch up with you later all right thanks